is Rick Buckler and I'm from The Jam. And you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada tomorrow, Rick, to Richards on Richards. Returning to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, after a long time. I suppose the last time we were there was, was probably over 25 years ago. I checked the date, and it was Saturday, June 5th, 1982, that the Jam played to 3,500 kids at Carisdale Arena in Vancouver. Right. And when I think about that, I think people say, you know, the Jam, you never really made it in America. Well, you sure made it in Canada. I mean, 3,500 kids in Vancouver. That's quite a huge gig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't actually remember it as being that big, but I mean, yeah, it obviously must have been. It was the Carousel Arena, and it was Saturday, June 5th, 1982. And I think it was the last gig that the Jam played in North America, perhaps? Was Vancouver your last North American gig? Because I looked at the gig list and it looks like it was yeah it probably was yeah i mean it was um we canada was always a, a good strong market for us you know we obviously lo you know love playing there you know um but it, i can remember those days that were, there was a lot of demand for us to play everywhere or anywhere over the world so those five years were you know that was from 1980 from 77 to 1982 were pretty hectic i mean if we weren't recording we were playing or um, or, you know, doing something. So, I mean, it was, uh, there was a lot going on at that time for us. You also played Vancouver, Rick, on April 24th, 1979 at the Commodore Ballroom. So the Jam have played Vancouver twice before. Do you remember anything about that particular gig? Because I read an interview with Paul Weller from years ago, and he said he was put off by Vancouver, and that's why it took a couple of years to come back. Like, for instance, you played in 1979 in Vancouver, and you didn't return till 1982. Do you remember anything about your first gig in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, April 24th? 1979 at the Commodore? Well, I mean, not anything too specific. I mean, it was a very long time ago. Um, I don't, th I, there was nothing that I can remember that actually sort of put us off as such. I mean, there was, uh, like I say, there was, there was a lot of work we were doing and we were always on the move and, um, uh, you know, so I, yeah, we, I, I just to us it was it was just great. At the time, we would always say yes to any almost any anything that was put in front of us, um, provided that we could fit it in. But, um, which was you know because being a live band, that's exactly what we love doing. So any opportunity to play anywhere was uh, was fantastic. You know. Well, um, thank you so much for saying yes to Vancouver, and you're coming tomorrow night to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to Richards on Richards from the Jam is performing and. Who else is in From the Jam? If you can tell the people a little bit about From the Jam. Well, it, there's obviously myself and Bruce Foxton um, from the original lineup, um, but we've got a new frontman, Russell Hastings, um, new new frontman and guitarist, um, and he's just he's great. You know, he's 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 just as passionate about it as uh, as myself and Bruce are, and. Um, we've also got um, uh, a guy called Dave Moore who's playing keyboards and second guitar. And again, that was uh, an avenue that, that at the time the jam never really explored. We had extra brass players or keyboard players or backing vocals or whatever. But to be able to sort of um, put in those extra guitar parts this time around is a bit of a bonus for us. Um, and it, it, it really does add to the sound on stage. And um, So, you know, I think we're, we're very happy with the lineup and you know, we're obviously, you know, if, if, if Russ wasn't up to the mark, we wouldn't be here, you know. I mean, he's, uh, he does a fantastic job. And how has reception been? Specifically, you played the House of Blues in Disneyland a little while ago. How was that, playing the House of Blues, Disneyland? Well, the House of Blues venues, I mean, are, uh, are fantastic. I mean, they're, 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 they're great venues. Uh, they're well-equipped. The stage is great. They've got good people working for them. Um, it was a bit strange to find that that one was actually in uh, the grounds of the Disney uh, complex, um, but it, it didn't uh, it didn't detract it at all. I think um, you know to us it was still just another gig, you know, um, you know. So we enjoyed it as much as we do all the others, really. Well, to throw another date at you, Rick, what do you remember about your first gigs, the Jam's first gigs at the Whiskey A Go Go in Los Angeles? Well, they were a bit strange um, in some ways. Um, 
you know, because the American audiences and the American music at that time was completely different from what was happening in the UK. So it was, it was a, a, a bit of a mixed thing that we, you know, um, we, there were obviously people who wanted to see us, and we, but we were trying to break new ground, trying to, to convert people to, you know, to what we were doing, if you like. Um, um, but it was a different time. It was a different era. I mean, we we did some some dates with. Uh, um, you know, supporting bands like Blue Oyster Cult and, uh, and what have you. So it was, it was some different things happening there in, in the States musically. Well, specifically for those gigs, like I saw listed two nights at the Whiskey. What was the reaction? Did you get a good feeling doing those gigs? Were you headlining those gigs at the Whiskey? Did you feel like things are off on a good foot, like those first two gigs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we did. I mean, it was, it was quite, it's quite an intimate sort of gig. And, um, now, there, there, you know, there was, uh, you know, quite a bit of interest, um, but it, it, it really was, you know, America's so big, and um, I mean, if you're talking about the first tour that we, we did over over here, I think we were doing two shows a night, two two nights in each town, and we did four towns in about 16 days, so that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of work for, for um, you know, to, to fly in and do, but I mean, it was, it was exciting to do it. Rick, for this particular tour with From the Jam, and again, we're speaking here to Rick Buckler from From the Jam, who are playing Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tomorrow night at Richards and Richards. For this particular tour, did you have to pull your drums out of the garden? Were your drums in the garden for a whole bunch of years? <laughs> no, no. That was something that the TV company sort of hammed up, I think. You know, that they, for a start, they weren't really my drums, you know. Um, I certainly wouldn't leave them lying down the bottom of the garden. It was they were just a, a, a couple of old rototoms that, that my children used to play with, and they used to drag them down there and make a racket to annoy the neighbours. You know, they must have got that sort of attitude from me, maybe. But um, no, that that really didn't have anything. I mean, I uh, I had to sort myself out with a, with a new kit just when I got back into playing, and I've got I've got myself a nice nice new Ludwig kit, which I, I use, which is fantastic. Um, anything from the jam days because i understand that bruce is wearing the same suits that he wore in the jam is that true um i don't know about the suits i mean a lot of the shirts we've still got um you know some of the suits i i, I remember trying trying them on years afterwards i couldn't get into the trousers the jacket still fit but the trousers didn't um but i think uh no we've pretty much kitted ourselves out with mostly new stuff i mean some of my some of my drum kit is from uh, all those years ago, a lot of my symbols are still the same as I used uh, 25 years ago, and cowbells and that sort of thing. But um, I've, the kit was in a bit in a bit of a shabby state. It had been it had been worked to death, and I just thought, well, I'll treat myself to a new one, you know. All the other stuff associated with the jam, some of the merchandising and whatnot. For instance, I was looking at an advert from the 70s for a jam shoe by Shelley's or Denison. Do you have any jam shoes? Did you ever get any royalties from that? Like all these shops saying, here's a jam shoe that you can buy. Here's a Union Jack jam jacket by Carnaby Cavern. Did you get any dollars from that? Not as such, no. Well, we used to get free clothes, free suits, free shirts, free shoes. Um, and that was basically the deal that they would use their name to, uh, um, uh, you know, to promote them. But I mean, that was because we we sought out these these places where we could buy specific things. You know, um, a lot of our clothes we got from Carnaby Street in London, and you know, from from places from shops called Melandies, and then we had suits made for us and what have you. Um, so uh, I noticed one of the ads said in brackets, "We make for the jam." Like it said, Carnaby Cavern, and in brackets, we make for the jam. Coming yeah. in by, was that something like you said, you can use our name and we get the free stuff? Was that kind of the deal that's you think it worked much, out? Yeah, that's pretty much the deal, you know. I mean, obviously, the, the, the clothing gets gets literally put through the mill when you're on the road because you, it's, uh, it's hot, sweaty work, and some of the suits don't survive because they're constantly being dry cleaned while they're still damp. And um, So we were getting through clothes all the time, you know. Um, but yeah, we, we were fortunate enough to have these companies behind us to sort of, you know, um, help us out there and, you know, we, you scratch my back, etc. Is there still a jam shoe? I see that Bruce Foxton has a shoe now, but is there still a jam shoe that's for sale? Like, can you buy a jam shoe still? There is, in, in, a, in a way. I mean, we've, we've done another deal with a, with a shoe company called Icon, 
um, and they supply us with shoes. Um, so there is, a, there is, I suppose, a jam shoe. But I mean, the the one that you're uh, that you're probably referring to would be the, the sort of Shelley shoe, which yes. the, the white topped shoe. Um, that was really because we saw that that shoe and really felt that that was what we wanted to um, to wear, you know, and. Um, it just just really took it from there. They they didn't uh, sort of design it specifically for us. We just picked up on what they had and um, sort of made it our own, if you like. Are people dressing up and wearing any jam suits or jam shoes to the gigs at all that you've been playing so far? Well, obviously, the you know the whole mod fashion is is pretty much uh, where we're at, I suppose. So it's it's not necessarily. I suppose it's become known as jam shoes and jam suits, but really, it's 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 all part of that original sort of mod mod fashion with button-down shirts and sharp suits and you know that sort of thing. Rick Buckler from From the Jam coming to Vancouver on Saturday night, tomorrow night here to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to Richards and Richards. When the Small Faces toured Australia in the late 60s, they weren't so much into the mod because they'd progressed more into the psychedelic sort of angle. But when they landed in Australia, Australia, I guess, was a tiny bit behind, and they were greeted at the airport by, like, a Vespa escort of mods. Have you been having the same sort of thing, like From the Jam lands in California and a whole bunch of Vespas follow you? to your hotel are you getting any vespa escorts or anything like that no no not not on this particular job we haven't seen too much of that i mean the last time we were over here there was a, there was a, a lot of that um i don't know whether people have just moved on and grown up and uh, and got into their own fashion thing but i, mean, I think mod, mod mod fashion is 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 something that people still associate themselves with because it's it, it is such a fantastic style um, and it just really suited us. That's you know, Paul was very much into that early Marriott look with the bouffant haircut and the, the, the sharp clothes and, uh, and and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, obviously when when you know Marriott um, and, the, and the small faces, they 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 sort of evolved with the time as as it as it went. And maybe we're doing the same thing. I don't know. Rick Buckler from From the Jam, you guys actually played some scooter rallies, didn't you? Like you played like the Camber Sands scooter rally, you played the Madra Phoenix. You've played some actual scooter rallies. From the Jam has. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, they're really good to do. I mean, the the, the, the whole thing in um, the UK is uh, the music is very much wrapped up in in the whole cultural thing of where you go, to, you know, where you hang out, the sort of clothes you wear, the sort of music that you listen to, the sort of vehicles you might ride around in or on. Um, so it, it's all, it's the whole package, really. Rick Buckler from From the Jam. I always thought the jam sounded amazing, and all the songs, this were like instant hits. But I understand your record label, Polydor, didn't always hear hits. Did they have suggestions, specifically like Polydor in the States, of who you should use as a producer? Like, did they once say, you should get George Martin to produce you? We don't want, like what you're doing right now. Were they trying to steer you in that direction, like the Polydor USA division? Um, we had a lot of control over what we did. Um, I mean, that, singles like Down in the Tube Station at Midnight, I think because uh, we just felt that well, what we didn't really, there were so many songs to choose that we could have chosen as a single. So what we did was we, we, we drew up a list and we, uh, of all the songs and we thought, well, that's the most leak, least likely one to be a single. So let's make that the single. You know, whether we were doing it just to annoy the record company or whether we were just saying, well, look, you know, singles are, 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 are our domain and we choose what we do. And um, I mean, Tube Station nearly got dropped as a song altogether because uh, Paul didn't particularly think it was working when we were recording it. Um, so we were a little bit sort of anti-establishment in as much as that we'd go and do the opposite of what everybody else thought we should do. Um, and it turned out to be one of our one of our greatest um, greatest hits, if you like. I mentioned George Martin. Did you have any first-hand contact with John Lennon? I know that you guys played the Star Club in Germany. Didn't the Jam play the Star Club? Uh, Supposedly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think it, it was, but it wasn't the same sort of club. By the time we got there, it it, it, it very much gone into a sort of uh, you know a heavy rock or heavy metal type club. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't sort of carry that flag along with it all the time. I mean, it, it just evolved. You know, we found Germany at that time was very much more into the progressive rock and the, the heavy rock side of things. So we did find that particularly hard work. But yeah, we did we did do some work over there. 
How about with John Lennon or Paul McCartney? Did you have any contact with them? I still find it totally cool when I'm like reading Enemy and I see Paul McCartney referencing the jam, like just saying, and I really enjoyed the jam's version of Start because it's like Taxman, you know, I'm kind of laughing about that and saying the word the jam. Did you have any dealings with any of the Beatles? Did John Lennon come to any gigs or did any rock and rollers offer to produce you? Like I was mentioning George Martin, did you have contact with any of the Beatles? No, not really. I mean, we did uh, we did bump into Paul McCartney. He popped his head in uh, at a studio in London that we were working at. He was also working there as doing something or other. You know, he, he, he but it was a bit of a fleeting thing. He just popped in, said hello, how you doing, blah blah blah. You know that sort of thing. And we've had quite a lot of people come to the shows who were, you know, uh, you know I think Mick Jagger turned up at one of the New York shows to see us uh, uh, some time ago. Um, you know, I mean, even now I think that that, that there's. Uh, there's a certain sort of um, interest, you know, which is great to have, you know, sort of contemporaries. I mean, Clem Burke from Blondie was at one of the shows the other day. Um, he'd come down to see us in Los Angeles, you know. Um, so I think we, we, we still sort of um, uh, are appealing, if you like, to some of those people. Rick Buckler from, from The Jam playing tomorrow night in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at Richards on Richards. Your first appearance in Vancouver in like 26 years. Mm. You're back. 26. How have you been to Vancouver since 1982? Or have you been to Canada at all since 1982? I mean, I haven't. No, um, I believe Bruce might have done when he was we was doing some touring with Stiff Little Fingers. But no, I haven't been here for, for uh, since then, no. Rick, when did you first see the Sex Pistols? When did you first see them? The first time I saw them was they were doing a warm-up gig. They'd just been signed by EMI, and um, they needed a, to, to, to do a, a quick show in a place called Dunstable in England. And we were pulled in at the last minute. We weren't signed to anybody at the time, and um, we went and saw them there. And I think there was only about a, a dozen people who turned up because they, they, they really hadn't hit the headlines at that time. So they were a fantastic band. I mean, despite what everybody might have said about them at the time, they really could play, and they were a really great band to go and see. And they were they were quite a big influence upon Paul. He had seen them and suddenly realised that, you know, this, here was a band that was playing to their own audience, playing their own music. Um, whereas for us, we'd always been doing a lot of covers, to, um, playing around the clubs, and and that sort of thing. So it was it was always a goal of ours to, to, to be in a situation like that where we could play to our own audiences in our own clubs. And there was a great live scene in London that was sort of burgeoning out, out at that time, which started off as the sort of pub rock scene, but then soon was taken over by uh, the punk new wave thing. Could have you played the 100 Club Punk Festival? Because looking at this book, Punk Diary, this amazing book called Punk Diary, I see you're doing gigs all around that time, but you weren't particularly on that, you know, the legendary, you know, Punk Club, 100 Club Festival. How come you guys weren't on that? Was it because you were too young, or were you just new to the scene then? Um, well, it's, it's strange. I mean, the, the punk thing was opened up a lot of a, a lot of doors on, on the music industry um, you know bands like um, you know the stranglers and the police you wouldn't necessarily regard them as punk bands and you know, they, they, those were the sort of bands that were around at that time I mean there was more bands that there were some bands that were very much hardcore punk you know like the dams uh, and the clash maybe and, you know, obviously the pistols and we were sort of um, playing the similar sort of music, high energy music, in the same sort of venues to the same people. So um, we really felt that, that although we were part of that movement, it wasn't necessarily that we were uh, strictly a punk band. We were, we were just maybe another facet of it. Um, if you see what I mean. What well, continuation of the 60s punk sound as started by like those great 60s mod freak beat bands like John's Children featuring Mark Bolan, that sort of thing. That's what I kind of view you guys as, the 60s punks sort of continuing on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the punk thing actually came from New York, you know, the New York Dolls and, uh, you know, and it was uh, McLaren had uh, sort of seen that sort of scene happening in the States and... Um, and, and, and could see no reason why um, it, it couldn't sort of, you know, there was, you know, things like the Velvet Underground and what have you. I mean, they weren't necessarily um, regarded as punks, but they were sort of outsiders to the sort of mainstream. 
And I think that was what um, we we sort of liked was the fact that we, we were we were doing this for ourselves, and we weren't doing this just to pamper to an audience that was already there. You know, we um, we were writing and playing for ourselves initially, um, and not necessarily just trying to jump on any particular bandwagon. Rick Buckler from from the Jam. I mentioned John's children and Mark Bolin. You were on his TV show. That was pretty cool. Seeing that happen, doing all around the world. I saw some comments on that, saying that perhaps Mark wasn't too thrilled to have you guys on. What was it like being on that show, doing all around the world? Uh, well, we. <laughs> it was great, actually. I mean, um, the Mark Bolin thing. It, it, it was more like the glam rock, wasn't it? Um, that from where he came from. Yes. Plus, he was just moving into television. He was that was his first sort of foray into being a television presenter. As, um, so it was a bit odd. I don't know whether he didn't want us there or anything like that. You know, I mean, uh, I think he was very much into um, you know anything that was that, that, that was sort of musical. I mean, it, we might not have necessarily come from the same stable, but. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm a big Mark Bowman fan. I think there were some great songs that he came up with there, and I think that's predominantly where we're at, is, is, is the songs and the energy. Um, at the very end of that performance, Rick, I think I see you losing your sticks, like you're drumming, and you lose your sticks, and it looks like that Bruce and Paul kind of give you some bad looks. They look kind of mad. Do you remember losing your sticks kind of at the end there? Yeah, I do. I mean, I mean, we were quite nervous, and uh, and uh, they said, "Oh, don't worry. If anything goes wrong, we can do it again." You know, and of course, it was on the last bar or something when I'm doing some sort of role or something, and and this and it, I, it just this, the stick decided to leave my hands, and of course it was too late to catch and and what have you. And that was it because the song was over. And they said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Nobody will ever notice that." But there you are, like you know, 20 or 25, 26 years later, still reminding me that uh, I'm a bit of a butterfinger sometimes. You know. Well, it was amazing drumming. I just kind of felt sorry for because it, it looked like Bruce and Paul were kind of sneering at you. Do you, you still get the uh, harsh looks from? Does Bruce give you any hard looks when he's looking at you playing his bass at all? No, no, no. And speaking of the rest of the band, we have Russell singing a lot of Paul Weller's parts, or most of Paul Weller's parts. How does that work out on all the songs? Is he singing all the parts of Paul Weller? Is Bruce joining in on some of that? Are you joining in? Uh, well, I mean, it's, um, you know, Russ does his own thing. He's, he was very much a jam fan. He knew exactly, uh, you know, what to do. He was on the same wavelength as us. I mean, he was... He works really hard at doing it. I mean, he's being his own man, really. He's not um, not not there just to emulate, um, you know, Paul's little mannerisms or, or whatever. Um, so it works really well, I think, on that front. How about for when the band's performing? Because looking at old footage of the jam, I see that Paul Weller's dad, John, comes out and introduces the band. Do you have any dad coming out to introduce from the jam at all? <laughs> no, we don't, no. No, we don't. I mean, that was something that, that was we always did john always came out and introduced the band um but no we don't uh, we don't do it don't do anything like that no, no. the band the boys you were a big fan of the band the boys weren't you yeah i like the boys yeah because i noticed on the all mod cons record on the back there's a boys sticker on like one of paul's guitars and the boys are back in action again have you checked them out or kept in contact with the boys because they really are one of the unheralded great sort of first wave punk bands well, yeah, that's right. I mean, um, they, I mean, I, I always liked them, and we we found ourselves touring with them, you know, or, or being on the same stage with them quite often. And uh, yeah, they, we really really like them. I mean, they they seem to have a lot of bad luck with the industry, you know, that they, they, they didn't get on too well with their record company and stuff. And it's a real shame that they that they didn't sort of carry on. I mean, I didn't realize they were all back together again. Um, I, I, last I'd heard, they'd all sort of got themselves. I suppose what you call normal jobs and we're settling down and what have you. But it's, uh, yeah, if they're back out on the road again, I think that's great. They're back on the road, and of course they have that legendary song called Backstage Pass, talking about touring with the jam, where it says, everyone gets laid, even Paul's dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got quite a lot of fond memories of, of you know, playing with them. So, I mean, I, I suppose that that's great that they're sort of referring back to... Uh, to their sort of experiences there. 
Buckler from From the Jam Bruce did a lot of time tons of time in the stiff little fingers who actually ended up covering the message by Grandmaster Flash the legendary rap song the message are you guys doing any rapping from the jam at all <laughs> no no I mean I'm not saying that that's not a possibility but it's 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 nothing that we've got actually on the radar at the moment no we are going to turn our attention to, to some new material as soon as we uh, get the opportunity we we I think we've managed to put two months aside coming up sometime this year to sort of concentrate on that sort of thing so how that will turn out we really don't know or what we will do is um we're not really sure yet but i mean we we've got some ideas and we'd like to sort of sit down and routines and things and because um, obviously that's that's another avenue that, that's opened up for us is is, is to, to you know see what else where we can take it from here Rick, as the jam were playing, when did you first notice the mod revival happening? Like, you started way before, and then the mod revival kind of kicked in. When did you first notice it happening? Because I noticed that you played, speaking of the word notice, drums with the Merton Parkers on a few gigs. And they were like a great mod revival band. I, I know, I think that's a bit of misinformation. I didn't uh, didn't ever play with the Merton Parkers, not, uh, not even actually play with them. No. Oh, sorry about that. No, that's all right. That's, there's, there's a lot of things that could get uh, put about, you know, that, 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 that didn't actually happen, you know. But you did play with, did you play with Big Country, though? No. You never played with Big Country? The only thing I ever did with Big Country was when um, Stuart Adamson was putting the band together initially um, with Bruce Watson, they didn't have a rhythm section. Um, so I did go into the studio and, and, and uh, just play along to about three or four songs which they then took off to a record company to try and get a deal. Uh, and then once they'd secured that deal, um, it was it was just, just trying to help them out, really. I wasn't really sort of part of the band or anything, and I didn't I didn't do any gigs with them. But, um, um, you know, Mark Brzezicki uh, is a fantastic drummer. I mean, we, we did a tour with, um, I think, probably one of their first tours that they did. They were supporting the jam. So uh, I sort of, um, I suppose, I broke up, a, you know, um, and uh, became quite quite friendly with Mark Brzezicki and, um, you know, because I, I admire the way that he plays. It's entirely different from, from my sort of style, but I could appreciate that he's, you know, he's, he's a great drummer. Rick Buckler from, from the Jam, winding up here. You're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tomorrow night to Richards and Richards. I mentioned this a second ago, the Mod Revival bands. You have Russell and Dave in from the Jam as well, as well as Bruce Foxton. Were they ever in any Mod Revival bands? Did they check out any of those bands? And I guess that's kind of what I was wondering about, what you thought about some of those bands, like the Squire, like the Merton Parkas, or the Secret Affair, or the Teen Beats, or the Purple Hearts. Were Russell and Dave in any of those bands or attending those gigs? I know they were attending some jam gigs were already down with that scene what did you think of that sort of mod revival scene were you connected with any of those bands um well the, the, yeah the, the new hearts um obviously they supported us i mean i think that, that we um and they ended up into secret affair right uh, yeah that was that's right there was secret affair and i think that the, the, the whole th whole of that really sort of uh, stemmed from the fact that you could still do high energy music and not actually call yourself punk, but if you were more influenced by the the fashion and the you know um, you know what vehicles you wore, what vehicles you, you you drove around in, whether it was scooters or whatever, and the clothes that you wore and the places you went to, I think that those sort of bands realised that punk wasn't the only new thing that was on the block, and um, and uh, so maybe that that was why those those sort of bands actually sort of appeared. Were Russell or Dave involved in any of those bands at all, or were they at those gigs? Um, I don't know. I don't, they, I don't think they were actually involved in any of those bands. I mean, um, their, um, their, their musical background was, 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 was different. I mean, they, they, they had their own band. They, yeah. And Russell was actually at the very last jam gig, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, he used to come to a lot of the shows, so he was a big jam fan from the out anyway. I noticed also there was other bands like The Graduate who turned into Tears for Fears. Their take on, quote, mod revival seemed to be a bit sad. It wasn't really cool. It's almost like a bandwagon sort of jumping thing. Do you remember The Graduate who turned into Tears for Fears? I don't remember um, that too well, no. I mean... Um... And I think before The Alarm became The Alarm, they were a band called Seventeen. A lot of these bands kind of took some of the influences and then switched it around and then had a huge hit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the great thing about that is that the, 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 the whole thing, it started to evolve as time went on. You know, it grew from, from a sort of pub rock thing into the punk thing, into the new wave scene, and then people started to establish their own careers. I mean, the police and the stranglers, um, uh, etc., were all from that era, and yet they all uh, made their own mark initially, you know, eventually. And, um, you know, um, I think the whole thing just sort of started to evolve. So, I mean, I think that's great that, that, that you, don't, you don't sort of get stuck anywhere, that you actually, you know, you do try and move on as much as possible. Rick Buckler from From the Jam. I saw a picture, and I hope this is true and not misinformation, of a woman with a tattoo of your face on her back. Yes. Is that true? That is, that's right, yes. She, um, she, she had a tattoo of Paul done first, and then she, she contacted me because she wanted a photograph of myself, and I thought, well, you know, why? <laughs> uh, and I soon found out why, because she then showed me um, the tattoo <laughs> that she had on her back of me, do you know what I mean? And then I think she's going to get Bruce tattooed on there as well. I mean, I think she's old enough to... You know, this is this is not some teenager doing this. This is uh, she's this is a grown woman doing this. I mean, I I don't know whether I could I could get myself to have a tattoo of anybody put on on my back. But I mean, uh, I don't know. That's that's it's a bit weird that. I, but in a way, that's the way that she wants to express herself as as a fan. So fair enough. Well, in the photo, you're smiling ear to ear, so it's bringing lots of joy to yourself, and you're bringing lots of joy to Vancouver by coming up here with From the Jam. And lastly, More of a surprise than, than, than joy. I don't, know, I don't know how joyful I was to see my face on the back of somebody, I don't know, but it was certainly a surprise. And lastly here, Rick Buckler from From the Jam, did you ever hang out at all with Topper Hedden, Topper Heaton from The Clash? Uh, yeah, we did, we, we did for a while, because, um, you know, when we we did a gig in Soho Market, they, they came along and saw us, and, you know, that, this is long before either of us got signed. Um, and we did do a short uh, short tour with, with The Clash, um, which, um, so, yeah, we sort of, we're, we're, our paths were crossing here and there, yeah, for sure. How about in later years? And the reason I mention this is a friend of mine, he was born in Dover, and his headmaster was Topper Heaton's dad. And my friend's dad, when he returns back to Dover, often hangs out in Topper's around. And my friend's dad has often said to my friend, oh, you should come over to Topper's house and jam. Like, Topper's just hanging out there, ready to jam, having a good time. Does that similar parallel to what you've been doing these past couple years or past years before you started playing drums, drums Rick? Could somebody, like, knock on your, did anybody knock on your door saying, hey, let's jam? No, not really. Let's jam with the jam, I guess. No, no, no. Um, no, no, that, that that didn't really happen a great deal. I mean, obviously, we, you know, you come across other people in other bands and you make friends with them and etc. etc. But I mean, most of the time, it was very difficult to keep in touch with some of these people because they were, you know, they were always out on the road touring in different towns in different different countries, and so were we. So um, it was it's great to sort of catch up with these people when you can, but um, very difficult. Did you ever get to do any drum circles with Keith Moon at all? Any of like your idols or other people involved in the 60s scene? Did you ever meet Keith Moon at all? No, no, unfortunately not. I mean, he um, he he died, um, you know, long before I could sort of you know get. And, you know, I mean, he was he was obviously a big influence on us, but uh, I mean, that was a that was a um, the sort of generation before us. So. It, uh, what I find is interesting is the generation before you is kind of honoring you because I see that the Manfred Mann cover going underground. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, the Manfred Mann covering going underground, and Morrissey covers that's entertainment. Yeah, I mean, there's been a f there's been quite a few bands who have done covers of, uh, of jam numbers. I mean, I, I, I even think McFly had done, um, I think it was Pretty Green or something. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's great that, in as much as that they obviously feel that they like the song and they want to, you know, much the same that, that we would look at the Kinks and say, well, we want to do one of your songs, you know, and we would do, we would do David Watts from the Kinks or we would cover one of the Who numbers or something, you know. Like you will be tomorrow night at Richards and Richards in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Will you maybe be hauling out the David Watts there for the fans to hear? Yeah, we'll probably be doing David Watts and we'll probably be doing um, So Sad About Us, which was a Who number. Um, How about In the Streets, or In the Streets Today? I uh, don't think we'll be doing that one. 
Um, it's 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 a it's a bit of a dilemma for us because there is so much to choose from that it's 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 almost like which numbers do we leave out rather than which ones do we put in um, because there's so much to choose from and there's uh, and also being able to sort of look back and say well uh, I you know some of the lesser known tracks you know Life from a Window from the Modern World album didn't really get played a great deal and obviously a lot of the tracks from the last album The Gift. Um, didn't get didn't get aired too much at the time because it was soon after that that, 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 that you know the band split up. So um, it's nice to be able to sort of revisit them and maybe do them more justice than, than we could do at the time. Have you had any feedback at all? Lastly, lastly, here Rick Buckler from from the Jam from the Weller camp, like any of his daughters or sons or family or anything like that, or best friends that have come to see you guys, or have you heard any word back from the Weller camp or even as even not really him, but just people that are associated with them like the guys from Oasis if they come and check you out that sort of thing um, no we haven't you know, it's, just, it's a shame really we haven't really had much in the way from um, you know from Paul um, you know uh, which you know not even a sort of good luck I'm not I'm not I know I'm not involved with good luck or anything like that there was nothing like that I mean Paul pretty much cut off all communications with myself and Bruce um, pretty much straight away after 1982 um, he seems to be opening up a little bit more these days uh, he's spoken to Bruce um, a couple of times I think so maybe he's uh, you know he He's, he's he's now trying to sort of come you know make you know get back in in touch with us you know which is it's because it's always been a bit of a a, a a bit of a shame I think that that, that that he cut off the communications um, you know so severely that we, that we didn't stay in touch you know I mean, myself and Bruce have always stayed in touch with each other over the years in some way or another and it's, it just seems a real shame that Paul didn't feel the necessity to, uh, to do likewise. Well, it's great you're able to bring from the jam to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We really appreciate you making your way up to Vancouver after all these years here, Rick Buckler from, from the jam. And in, in, in intervening years, you've been doing stuff with antique furniture restoration. Have you been out to any antique shops at all? Have you seen any good antiques when you've been on tour now? This is a great time to pick out antiques going to America. Uh, well, yeah, I'd like to, but I mean, it's... Um... Do you have a job to that's right, I do. I do have a job to do, and I, uh, I, I, you know, if I see something I like, I, I know I can't fit it in the suitcase, so I, I, I just can't go there, you know. And, and um, some of the other, the other guys in the band are not necessarily that interested in antiques, so I try and not to bore them too much by talking about it. You know? well, just out of curiosity, what were some of the more interesting antiques that you have analysed over the years or restored? Was it like total, like really old Victorian stuff? Anything associated with Queen Victoria, or what sort of neat sort of stuff? Was there any musical instruments? or stuff with interesting history associated with it? Um, well, most antiques have an interesting history as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I, it's a lot of the Georgian furniture, the uh, sort of Regency things from from um, the 1820s uh, right through. Um, you get less and less. I mean, obviously, the pieces become rarer and rarer as you go further back in time. But, I mean, sometimes it's a real honour to, 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 uh, to work on something uh, when you can see that it's obviously made by a real craftsman, probably by somebody who couldn't even read or write, um, you know, to, to you know to work on some of that furniture, it's so beautifully made and with such beautiful materials. Um, that, that that's really where it's at. I mean, it's, and, and the, the, the craftsmanship that goes into it, and the, and the time and effort, which is uh, it's it's very difficult to find people to be able to do that these days. It's um, a lot of. You know, furniture is not really meant to be kept for uh, for two, three hundred years these days. It seems like if it lasts longer than five years, you're on it. You, you know, you've got your money's worth. Well, it sounds, Rick, like you've perfectly described from the jam. Well, thank you very much. Fine craftsmanship all these years later. Still rocking to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Rick? Well, you know, come along and check us out. If you, if you, if whether you're an original fan or whether you've discovered the band uh, in recent years, you know, uh, I think now's your opportunity. This is the closest anybody's going to get to uh, seeing uh, a jam, you know, a reunion. So yeah, come and check it out. Why do you think people should care about from the jam? Why should people care about from the jam? Um, it's it's just it's down to the music and it's down to the energy and the way that we you know I suppose that we play. I mean we've always been a predominantly a live band, um, and, and that's really where our passion is, I suppose. So yeah, that's that's worth um, you know. I think there's a, there's a great connection between us and and, and uh, you know jam fans in as much as that they belong to us and um, uh, you know and, and vice versa. 
who's also fans, though, of some of your other combos, like Time UK. A friend of mine plays in the bands at Transmitters from Vancouver, and he loves your work in the Time UK. Will you be doing any Time UK numbers? We won't be, no, no, not, not, not at the moment. Um, I mean, most of the people that I've worked with in Time UK, there was Danny Custo from Tom Robinson Band, and there was uh, we had a great bass player called Nick South, and I mean, I think he now lives in Los Angeles somewhere, um, and I'm hoping to sort of catch up with uh, 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 Fletch, who was, uh, you know, Fletcher Christian, who was the one of the guitarists, he now lives in New York. So they all seem to have sort of emigrated out here. So I'm, I'm, it's great if I can get back in touch with uh, some of those guys. Well, thanks so much, Rick, from from the jam. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. <laughs> right, okay. Almost, Rick. Do 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 do. Ba ba. <laughs> Is that what you want? <laughs>
Who are you? Uh, Paul Weller, last I saw, spoke to. Paul Weller, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you very much. And Paul, right off the bat, to welcome you to Vancouver, I have a gift to you from the zombies, love and thanks. A signed record, a signed CD, a 50th anniversary CD. Thank you so much. You love the zombies, don't you? I love the zombies, yeah. I love this record, folks, as well. If you haven't heard it, you've got to hear it. It's an oracle, yeah. What is your interaction with the zombies? You love the keyboards, right? I love the whole thing. I love the, the songs and their harmonies and instrumentation. I mean, it was just unique, really, you know. Does Paul have everything? Like, I'm giving you a signed Zombies CD. Have you got, like, have you got all the autographs? The person who goes, oh, my God! <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But I'm very, very pleased with that, yeah. And I, I think... English, I don't get as excited as you lot. You've seen everything. You've seen everything, right? Like, you've got... You've got... Have you got any autographs? I was just curious. Have you got... Yeah, yeah. What autographs have you got? I was just curious. I have got the, a vinyl version of that record you just gave me, signed by the, by Chris and, and Rod and Colin. Uh, what else have I got? I got something signed by Smokey Robinson, an album signed by Smokey about a year ago, which is just wonderful. June 5th, 1982, at the Carisdale Arena in Vancouver. Yeah. The Jam's last... Was I there? Yeah. Yes, you were there. The last show ever from the Jam in North America. Right, I didn't know that, Mum. And actually, you left some graffiti on the wall for Joe Strummer. Right. I hope it was clean. Well, we have a chance to investigate the graffiti right here. We have a picture from... like. Come over here, William Jans. If you could come over here right now. We have William who took that photo right there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Could you explain what is going on there? Well, we had, yeah, actually, we had the good fortune. I was able to mention to you that 20 days after you were going to be performing yeah. at the Caresdale Arena, the class going to be coming, which rather chuffed you, apparently, and you left this note on the wall, which says, hey, Joe Strummer, keep the faith, love Paul Weller, and I'm thrilled to say, 20 days later, I got to meet them and pointed it out to them, and they got quite a kick out of it. Cool, my Mick as well, bless them. Had you done that before? What, left messages? All the time, man, I'm still doing it. Backstage, William. Was it hard to get backstage at Paul's gig? Um, the, well, I, I, I don't remember that part, but I do remember something that I was always interested about. There was a very young fellow uh, that I met who was all dressed up, all mod, who clearly was a friend of yours. And I believe I had a pass, but at one point before going backstage, you had waved him on. And he, the guy looked really sharp, and I came along with him. And I was always curious, who was this young fellow? Do you remember? I have no idea. Oh, he, was he an English boy? Yeah, and he seemed yeah. to be traveling with you guys, and was I thought he was like a relative. He he really was connected, it seemed. But I guess that is a lot of years ago. So well, there used to be quite a few of them people, man. There was quite a few people used to follow us around, you know, a lot, okay. of, lot of people, yeah. Well, for him to come from the UK all the way to here to tour with you is pretty amazing. And to wave you backstage. Yeah, of course. And we have the photo proof. Yeah, and, and thank you. I'll let you keep going, but it was very fun to be able to share it with you. It's a story I've been able to tell people, and it was an incredibly cool to see you leave the note. And I'm curious, if I might ask, was there any sort of uh, rivalry between you and Strummer? A lot of people said there were. It seemed like you guys were... Uh, I didn't ever feel that anyway. I thought we were on the same side, really. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, you well thank you very much, William, and doo-doo-loo-doo. Doo-doo. Now, Paul, you teach me and Canada a lot of stuff. Like, for instance, you did the liner notes for the action. What can you say about the action? Not this record, but another record. What can you say about the action? Were they a great, um, almost forgotten 60s band, mid-60s from, I don't know, yeah, 64 to whatever, 68. And they never actually put an album out in the 60s. They had like five singles out, which had become kind of sort of cult cult thing I suppose uh, but they were kind of like a mod club band really you know and, and you did the liner notes George Martin produced them actually as well but they just never really had the songs or something I don't know never happened for them anyway and you did the liner notes I did I did it all those years ago yeah which turned like me onto the action cool yeah well that's good that's what music does I guess isn't it you know it keeps going back and forward amongst us all really have you got this record the rolled gold what do you think about the later period action it's a bit different isn't it uh I don't know, because it's such a long time ago since I played this, so I can't even remember, man. So, I don't know. Yeah, some of it I liked, some of it I didn't. 
What do you think about the early jam recording on Joe Meek's gear? Did you really record on Joe Meek's gear? Um, what? Joe Meek's gear. Did the jam record on Joe Meek's gear? Bill Potter's demos. I don't know, I don't know if he if that was was that his gear. Was that Joe Meek's yeah. old stuff? You know what? I didn't know that anyway, man. Which is pretty amazing. That like your first re- was it your first recordings were on Joe Meek's gear? Yeah, but if we'd have known that at the time, we might have thought more of it really. And I have another gift for you. Two Joe Simon LPs from 69. Wow, thank you. Is it for me as a present? That is for you. What can I say about Joe Simon and Paul Weller? Well, I love Joe's voice. And uh, I don't know how well known he is amongst people, really. Probably more like for soul fans and stuff. But, um, yeah, he's got an amazing, unique voice. And uh, I got to meet him two years ago when I was last in the States and over here as well. And I met him, in, I invited him to the gig in uh, Chicago. He's a he's a minister down there. And uh, so, yeah, it's just great to meet him, man, as well, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You invited him to the gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he showed up and he stayed and he loved it as well, yeah. Joe Simon? Yeah, man. And Paul Weller together? I tracked him down. Do you see people leaving gigs? Do you sometimes see people leaving gigs? Because that's cool, he stayed to the end. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, and I saw him afterwards and he said how much he liked his role. But he was a really cool fella, yeah. And yeah, amazing voice, man. You have the song Saturn's Patterns. Yeah. And there was an ad, speaking of patterns, for a mod pattern. Attention Mods, the Jam Shoe by Shelley's. Uh, what's the connection? Well, do you remember the Jam Shoe or the oh, Jam yeah, Jack? Yeah. What was that like? I was curious about that. Uh, what was it like? It was like black and white, really. But it was... Um, I don't even know what style you call it, really. I don't know. A regular sort of looking shoe, really, but in black and white. And uh, and we wore them, yeah, when we started out, and they just got really popular. Did you end up buying a mod jacket of Shane McGowan? No. I had... Uh, Shane had a 60s Union Jack shirt, but he never gave it to me anyway. He gave it to my sister, maybe, or her boyfriend, so it was kind of in the family for a little bit. I love his band of Nips. What were the Nips like? You produced them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did a couple of tracks for them, yeah. They were good. They were, uh, uh, they changed their image every now and again, you know. So one time they looked like sort of gladiators and another time they'd be, you know, rockabilly or whatever. So that was quite a visual thing as well. But they were good, man. And Shane was always good and entertaining anyway. How did you get your clothes? In Shearwater at a Johnson's? Uh, at the time, you mean? Uh, it was difficult to find clothes, really. We looked for old stock. Uh, yeah, Johnson's, that was kind of like late 70s. We had got our stuff in there. Was there ever a Paul Weller doll? I don't know. Maybe. What do you think about dolls? Like, for instance, there is this weird doll, the Sid Vicious doll. What do you think about the Sid Vicious doll? Uh, nothing really. It's like a plastic figure of Sid Vicious. I haven't got any thoughts or feelings one way or the other, really. Poor old Sid, but yeah. Is that how you would envision a Paul Weller doll if there was one? Uh, yeah, but maybe not as long as legs as that. I don't know, really. It's hard to say. <laughs> the Sex Pistols has a song called New York, and so do you, New York. And you played, actually, with the Sex Pistols on Thursday, October 22nd, 1976. Wow. With keyboards, what was the jam like with keyboards? Short-lived. He only made two gigs um, because he didn't have a keyboard, so that was a big problem. Uh, so, yeah, we literally done two, maybe two gigs of him. I don't know. And Bob Gray immigrated to Canada. He went to Canada. Right. I didn't know that. And now he is in the Guinness Book of World Records. What, for the shortest time of being in the band? A baboom. No, it's something to do with memory. He's a memory master. Right. And speaking of Canada, I have a gift for you. A pink label, Small Faces, Canada Issue, 7-inch. Thank you very much, man. I must come on this show more often, man. Well, you are Paul Weller. We have to do that. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much. Are you a collector of the different issues? I've got a box at home with loads and loads of different uh, picture sleeves in, small faces, picture sleeves, like scores of them. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a vinyl collector, man. Yeah. 
the small faces got basically a scooter escort when they played a gig. Have you ever got a scooter escort? Uh, not that I remember. But you have signed a scooter. I saw you signing a scooter. I've these many scooters, yeah, in my time. That one you signed in York was amazing. It had all those mirrors. I love that. Uh, I'm impressed by your memory because I don't remember half these things, man, really. But yeah. Paul, you were reading recently the book Sick on You about the Hollywood Brats. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That was kind of an interesting book. Did you realize that Casino Royal was in that band? Uh, there was a few from that band that became the boys. Um, yeah, Casino Steel. Yeah. Maybe the guitarist as well. But anyway, whatever. But uh, And yeah, they supported us a few times, so we kind of knew them, yeah. Did they ever talk about that band? Did they ever talk about the Hollywood Brats? Because what is that book all about? It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Uh, I like it because it's of the time as well, you know. It's quite interesting, that sort of mid, uh, mid-70s mid period in England, you know. Uh, yeah, it's interesting read. And you had a boy sticker on your guitar. I did, yeah. I was a big fan of them, yeah. I, I used to know uh, the singer, Kid Reed. Um, he was a nice fellow as well, yeah, but I've never seen him for a long time. Man. On a Setting Suns tour, did you put the Vapors clothing on a ceiling with crazy glue? Pass. <laughs> I've no idea. You remember touring with the Vapors though, right? Not, no. What do you remember about the Setting Suns tour? Anything? Very, very little. What was it like, Paul, running your own record label? For instance, Tracy. What was it like, Respond Records? What can it say about Tracy and running your record label? Uh, she was great, man. She was just a lovely young girl. And, yeah, she was yeah, she was great. She was fun to work with. We were all really young, and we were very naive. And, and I didn't really understand what it entails to run a record label, you know, that you've got to put as much time into it as you do into music, which is impossible for me. So it kind of died a bit of a death. But it was a, a learning curve, I suppose, really. What were Main T Posse like? What were they like? Uh, they were just Vaughn, as if one of our friends, really, really lovely fellow, he died in the early 90s, uh, called Vaughn Toulouse. Just a sort of scenester, really, in a way, you know, just a great fella. And uh, so he was kind of, that was him, really, Main T Posse. We put a couple of singles out, maybe. You have the song Friday... Street. Street. Now, speaking of street, Soho. Genesis P. Orange saw you play Soho Street, Soho Market. Yeah. What do you think of Throbbing Gristle, that whole line of bands, like Throbbing Gristle? I, I never really listened to it at the time, that kind of industrial thing. So I, I would like to say, you know, it's probably not my sort of music. I like melody. So I probably would have a, maybe have a problem with it. But... um. But I knew Genesis anyway, very, very early days, like around from the punk time, really. Yeah, because I think his girlfriend was Sue Catwoman at the time. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And there is that rumor that Butterfly Collector is about Sue Catwoman? No, that's not true, man. But she was very important, Sue Catwoman. I mean, that's an amazing look, isn't it? Yeah, she was there early, early days as well, yeah. Genesis also said punk is too traditional. I love that. It's too traditional punk. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know really. Well, I mean, it wasn't at the time, you know. It became that possibly. But at the time, it felt quite revolutionary, I thought, for a year or so anyway. And what? Age you were, you know. It depends how old you were at the time, really. And winding up here, Paul, I'd like to ask you about these particular records right here. Cox and Dodd, the Whalers with Bob Marley. Yeah, early Bob, yeah. Simmer down. Prince Buster. And some Prince Buster as well. What do you think about the early Jamaican pressings? I love them. They're like, yeah. they look amazing. Do you have many of those? Yeah, I've got quite a few actually. And a lot I bought uh, in Japan as well. What do you think about the early Marley, like Marley 1963, doing a ska? Because a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, they, they should listen to it, man. I also really, well, my favourite period of Bob's was the al- two albums he did with uh, Scratch with Lee Perry as the Whalers, uh, Soul Revolution. There's like part one and a part two, I think. Anyway, uh, but that's my favourite period with of Bob Marley, yeah, with the mate with the Whalers, yeah, late sixties, early seventies. Lastly, here, Paul Weller, Bruce Foxton plays on Wake Up the Nation. He does. 
Was his nickname really Shower Unit? Why was he called Shower Unit? That's new to me, man. I've never heard that before. Did you have any nicknames at all? None that I could mention on your show. Baboon. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never heard Shower Unit, whatever that is. Did your dad see Bill Haley? Yeah. That is amazing. That is rare, isn't it? Him and my mum went to see him, yeah, at some cinema where they ripped all the seats up and smashed the whole place up. That is, like, incredible. That is pretty cool that your dad and mom saw Bill Haley. Yeah. Well, that's the first music I heard, really, rock and roll. You know, they used to play Little Richard and Chuck and Elvis, obviously, and people like that. And then you invited the Stripes to play with you. Yeah. That is amazing, too, like doing In a City with the Stripes. Uh, I have done that with the Stripes, man. Yeah, yeah, we played together, yeah, a few times. And Josh, the guitarist, has played on my records, a couple of records as well. Well, thank you very much, Paul Weller. Really appreciate your time. Anything you want to add to the people out there at all? Love. Peace and love is what I've got to add to the people out there. Why should people care about Paul Weller? Why should people care? They don't shouldn't have to at all. I don't know. I'm ask them to care about me whatsoever, really. As long as my family does, I don't really mind. Well, thanks so much, Paul Weller. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Do 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 do. 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 When we're all in a crowd And you catch your eye And then you both smile I feel so good inside And when I'm with her She talks about you The things that you say The things that you do It feels so good to know Two people so in love So in love They are friends of mine They are friends of mine And they've got something Something to see that's nothing to hide. And when I feel bad, when people disappoint me, that's when I need you to, to help me believe. It feels so good to know two people so in love, so in love. They are just You're still listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, The Zombies with Friend of Mine. And before that, a brand new interview with Paul Weller of The Jam. And before that, an interview with Rick Buckler from the jam from 2008. And no, he is not playing in Vancouver tomorrow night because that was from February 1st, 2008. To end the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show, I was going to play an interview I did with Paul Gallagher, the brother of Liam and Noel. I think we will save that for another week. It's a 1995 interview, but in celebration of 30 years of Nardwar on the air on CITR, yes, you can be a DJ too, I was going to play that one, and I didn't fit it in my anniversary show a couple weeks ago. So instead, I will end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with Bill Pop and the T. 
tapes. A track called Speaks Little English. And Bill Pop personally gave me this CD in Austin, Texas. So here we go. Bill Pop and the tapes with Speaks Little English on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. This is Tamuki. Today we have a band from College Point, Queens. They're called The Tapes. The members of the band have been together a year. Bill Pop on keyboards and vocals, Dan Cooper lead guitar, Paul Riley bass and vocals, and Steve Baltunas drums. The song will feature is entitled Floating on a Teardrop, and it's from a single by The Tapes on Panic Records, so at LIR on Street Pete. From College Point, Queens, check out The Tapes. (laughs) 